Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Alex Kuhn about purpose-driven entrepreneurship and success DNA in supporting leaders. Alex Kuhn, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, John. Really, really happy to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have the chance to meet you and talk with you today. Uh, I'm really excited to have the chance to explore uh, the topics of having a purpose-driven career and purpose-driven entrepreneurship, as well as um, the concept that you talk a lot about, success DNA, and how we can use that mindset in supporting leaders and our efforts as leaders. As we get started today, I want to begin by sharing a brief bio for Alex. Alex Kuhn, the founder of Born to Lead, helps coaches and purpose-driven entrepreneurs become high-impact, high-income leaders. Over the past three years, 200-plus clients have built six- and seven-figure businesses, generating $30 million through a unique process called Success DNA. Featured in Entrepreneur, he regularly writes and speaks to 10,000 plus entrepreneurs weekly on topics of aligned leadership, business flow, resonance marketing, uh, and such. Having failed in his first three years as an entrepreneur, he finally discovered his own unique and eight leadership gifts that help him start and sell uh, to other companies. He wants every big vision, um, heart-led entrepreneur to know they are not that far off. The key is to build a business that works beautifully and aligns exactly with who you were born to be a one-of-a-kind leader. Uh, I love that inspiring bio, uh, really great background. And it, it is, it's always fun when we um, can look back. You know, once, once we're past the failures and we're into the successes, it's fun to look back and see what we've learned from the missteps and, and, and those things that perhaps didn't go so well and were hard at the time, but, you know, provided a lot of growth opportunities. It's amazing how we talk about, you know, it's easy for all of us to look back and to look at the struggles and the challenges and the obstacles that we had to overcome. But in those moments, right, I don't think we all are looking at those as lessons or those as opportunities for growth. You know, sometimes I think we we want to put on a good face and say we're going to get through this. But, you know, when you know, life kicks us or business kicks us or, you know, something unexpected, which I think everybody has been going through this year with the pandemic, you know, something unexpected. No, nobody feels like it's a life lesson or it's a good lesson until after the fact, if we've learned something from it. But so you're hundred percent right. And, you know, thinking back on my, you know, a lot of leadership aspects to my career, whether it was an entrepreneur or working at the college level, you know, there's so many mistakes right, that you make as leaders. And I think that's the first thing as leaders that I hope we all understand is that, you know, and myself included, that we're not, we're not robots, we're not perfect. 
And I think any leader that demonstrates the idea that being imperfect and still continuing to grow and still continuing to learn is just such a, a beautiful part of the process that I think not only helps us grow as leaders, but more importantly helps us impact whether it's in the corporate level, whether it's as parents. I think that's the most important lesson that I try to aspire to day in and day out. Awesome. Yeah, I really appreciate that insight. And yeah, you know, when you're in the midst of getting kicked in the teeth over and over again, that's not pleasant. <laughs> and I'm not sure anyone actually enjoys that. Um, but, you know, if, if we can, you know, one of the things I like to, to tell myself when I'm in those really hard situations, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, stress, anxiety, I'm feeling, you know, like everything around me is just kind of crazy and perhaps not going the way I'd hoped. I think, you know, well, really, what's like the worst that will happen, even if this, if I have complete failure? Mm -hmm. And when I start to think that way, and I know that perhaps is a strange thing to say, but when I start to think that way, I realize, oh, you know what, I'm actually still pretty well off, you know, comparatively, like it, the worst things could possibly happen to me if, if they all happen, you know, I still have my wife, I still have my family, I still have my knowledge, I still have the capability and capacity to go out and try again. You know, you ha you, we have these, you know, these strengths that we can leverage. And as long as we don't allow ourselves to get overwhelmed in the moment or, you know, give ourselves a moment to be overwhelmed, but then get past it, then, you know, then we can move forward in a positive direction. Yeah, it's, it's true. I mean, you know, even, you know, right now, you know, even within my company, Born Elite, you know, I talk about, you know, I have a team of about eight people that are, are supporting our purpose and our mission and our vision. And a lot of that, you know, there's leadership there. And, you know, being a, a newish father, my, I have a little one who's 18 months coming home and trying to be a, you know, a parent, which is, you know, maybe the ultimate leadership you know, for all of us that are parents, I, I think at the end of the day, it, it really does come down to just that, that, hey, what, what is the worst that's going to happen? What is that? If we don't go out with courage, if we don't go out with honesty, if we don't go out with pieces of integrity, um, yeah, you know, sometimes that, that does, being honest does hurt, you know, going out there and trying something you've never done does hurt. But I think at the end of the day, all of us you know, at the end of the day, I think we can look back on those experiences and say, yeah, I was glad I did it. I think it's the experiences where we didn't go for it or we didn't try something or we weren't really as honest. I think those are the things we look back and say, you know, I regret that. I, and I regret that. And I think that's always the hardest thing. When I talk to most of the leaders and whether they're entrepreneurs or in the corporate level, you know, a lot of times when I say, what do you regret? Or the first thing they usually say is like, you know, I, I should have, you know, we should have went for that client or we should have, you know, I really should have been honest with my employees. Those are the conversations that time, time again, when I have those private conversations, I ask and challenge them. I say, why don't you have those conversations with the people that you really need to have it? Not with me as the coach or not with me as the, the mentor, because those conversations are going to really help you get to the impact and get to the leadership level that I know you're aspiring to be. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, as we get started today with this discussion, I'm hoping that you'll be willing to share a little bit about your story, you know, including perhaps those failures that happened early on, and tell us a little bit more about how you got to where you are today. And then we can um, start to focus in more on the leadership aspect and what you do and how you coach others to, to be successful. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, not, you know, always, you know, there's so many, all of us have a, a incredible and unique story. 
And for this particular audience, I think that there is probably a subset of this audience, and maybe everybody in your audience feels this way, that they, they, you know, when I talk about the name of my organization being born to lead, you know, it reminds me of when I was a, a young kid, and I can remember my father and I, we were driving, I think, after a swim practice one day, and I remember I was just feeling good, and I was feeling excited, and uh, for those that have great relationships with their parents or mothers or fathers, you know, I have a great relationship with my father. And I can remember just saying to him, I was like, you know what, dad, you're not going to be able to, to bother me today. You're not going to be able to get under my skin today. And, you know, just kind of trying to get a rise out of my dad. And my dad said, I can say one thing and that's going to get you so mad. And I said, nope, you can't do it. He's like, are you sure? And I said, go ahead, whatever, say anything you want. It's not going to get under my skin. And he looked me in the eyes and he said, you are a follower. And I remember as a nine-year-old, I got so irritated and so mad because at, at that point in my life, whether I realized it or not, what it was called, what I understood about myself was that I wanted to go down a path. I wanted to do something special. I wanted to go after a huge vision. I wanted to go down my own path. And I think a lot of people that are leaders at some core level have felt, you know, it's not about being this extrovert. It's not about being this you know, a high public figure or having this high IQ. It's really just this deep desire that sometimes it's hard to explain, but you just feel this need to go for it, this need to rise up, this need to step up. You know, most people that, you know, work in management or higher management levels or those that actually end up being successful entrepreneurs that go down that path, they talk about it being painful. They talk about it being hard. And I can say even through my story there, you know, I, before I actually got into entrepreneurial career, I was a very successful college swim coach to the point where about seven years, I was on the fast track to you know, being one of the top college coaches in the country. But I, I still felt this desire to do something different. Like I knew that, you know, swimming was great and I loved my time in there as a coach and I learned so many leadership qualities, but you know, I knew I wanted to do, take that onto a, a larger scale, a larger level, which is why I decided to go the entrepreneurial route. And for three years, you know, I, I did a lot of the same things that many people said you should do. You know, follow this entrepreneur guy, get this mentor, get this coach, follow this marketing strategy. And none of it was working. You know, none of it was working. And when I was actually taking a step back to realize why, the only thing that really came up time and time again was, is I just, listen, I wasn't following my, my gut. I wasn't following my intuition. I wasn't following the things I felt were the right things for me to do in my business, which is when at that time I didn't know what it was called, but that for me was when I discovered my success DNA is what I call it. This idea that you make decisions that are aligned with yourself, that resonate with you and those who you want to work with, and that intuitively feel right as opposed to just feeling analytically right. And from that day forward, you know, I was able to start and sell two other businesses. One was a, a weight loss company and the other was a digital marketing agency before I started Born to Lead. And so my hope is that, you know, based on my story and now having seen over you know, thousands of people kind of gone through our Born to Lead program and our higher level programs, but more importantly, what I'm hoping is, is that there's so much conversation about this style of leadership or this type of leadership or having a very analytical approach. And my hope is, is that we can have all leaders, whether it's the corporate level, the entrepreneurial level, really get back in touch with who they are, what works well for them, so they can actually support and impact those that they're here to serve. So that's where Born and Leads come from. It's kind of where I've actually, my background's from. So my hope today is actually to share some of the, 
the guidance and the advice that we've seen for 200 plus people, yes, grow great businesses, but more importantly, feel more aligned with the lives that they were hoping to lead when they got started in that journey. That's excellent. I love it. And um, I don't know if you're familiar with some of the more academic research terms that kind of associate with some of what you're talking about, but um, concepts like uh, person organization fit, person jobs fit, mm -hmm. value congruence, you know, these, there's a, a lot of research that supports exactly what you were just saying. Mm -hmm. um, and of course we can't, if, if we're always only going by our gut, then we, we can potentially end up being unduly influenced by implicit bias and some of those sorts of things. So, so, but I'm, I, I know you're not suggesting that we ignore data, that we ignore, um, you know, the, the inputs that are out there, but, but we can't, some people get so far on the other extreme that they forget to, to what, what are their core values and, and what do they feel is right for them. And even, you know, you have all these mentors and you're, you're following these gurus and you're in your first entrepreneurial, ende entrepreneurial endeavor, nothing's clicking, nothing's working. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean the advice they were giving you was wrong, but when there's an incongruence between your style, your passion, your approach, what's natural and authentic to, for you, Mm -hmm. uh, in an incongruence of that with what you're trying to do because other people are telling you this is the right way, mm -hmm. you know, of course that's not going to work um, be because it's just not sustainable. That, that entrepreneurship is passion driven um, or successful entrepreneurship will be because it's hard work and it takes vision and it takes perseverance. And, you know, if you're not feeling bought into your own like approach, because there's incongruence with your authentic self, then you know it's just not going to work. You're not going to have the 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 staying power to to make it work. Um, so there, anyways, there's a lot of research to back up what you were just talking about, and I really do believe that um, that whether we're starting our own business or we're going the corporate route or you know whatever whatever type of job that we find ourselves in, we have to find ways. To, to be our authentic self in the workplace. We have to um, tap into our passion and we have to have the courage to stay true to our values. And if, if the things that we prioritize as our highest values aren't consistent with either the approach other people are telling us to take or our employer's values or whatever, you know, we should do ourselves the favor of getting out of that mindset and, and moving on. And it sounds like that's exactly what you did when, when you, um, you got out of the, that first failed entrepreneurial experience and then you realize, yeah, I can, I can drive my own success as long as I um, recognize what drives me and I tap into my purpose and I tap into my own values. Yeah, it reminds me actually of a, a client I'm actually even working with right now. And just the, some of the words that you talk about congruency, right? Value congruency. But one of the, it reminds me of a client I'm working with, and it's a huge, huge mortgage company in Canada. And, you know, one of the reasons that they hired me when all is said and done is, is when we actually look at their business, and I mean, it's a very successful business, but they also want to go to that next level. I mean, they want to grow. 
And it was clear to them, it was clear to us through our analysis and our assessment that at the end of the day, that as much as we hear the word, especially in the leadership world, the words culture, right? We hear that time and time again, we need to work on our culture, we need to work on that. And what does that mean to an organization? And I think at the end of the day, most organizations, most businesses understand that at the end of the day, if they're going to invest in something such as a soft skill or soft topics, such as culture, such as leadership, right? They don't talk about the tangibility. The one thing that you find time and time again is when an organization understands the direct impact it has on the key people, meaning the clients and the people that work in those organizations, and can actually tie the line to it. But often it's not, that's, that happens after we feel it, right? When we feel there's a, a problem with the culture, we feel it because there's more arguments or there's a, a le less productivity or things that sh really shouldn't be discussed or shouldn't take up time do take up time in the organization. So I think it, that's why we talk about this idea of first that gut, that alignment, that intuition, because that is telling you there is something wrong. There's something that's misplaced. There is something that's not right. And that could be a manager with a specific employee. That could be, obviously, I was talking about the macro picture of an organization, or that could be an entrepreneur that's, you know, trying to go sell a specific product. I think that voice, that inner guide, if you will, I'm worried that it's getting lost. The analysis out there is no question. I mean, most, of, I think you can't go through a business. And I think just at the end of the day, right, we've got all of our KPIs up here. My team knows their KPIs. So obviously at the end of the day, there's a bottom line numbers we have to hit. But one of the things I'm hoping most leaders don't forget is that if it doesn't feel right, there must be a reason. And don't feel scared to investigate. Because if the more you investigate that, the more what I think you'll realize is there might be a solution that's a better fit for you, better fit for others, and ultimately it's going to help everybody succeed. Yeah, I agree, and I, I I think it's really really important that we remind ourselves and remind others over and over and over and over again that there really isn't one right way to doing this. You've already referred to you know leadership styles. There's no one right leadership style. There's no um, style that's proven to be most effective. I mean, there's stereotypes about that and people have in their mind, they have a picture of a leader. And so they think that's who they need to be, but it's, it's just not true. Like the research doesn't bear that out. Mm -hmm. um, you can have kind of any sort of personality, you can have any sort of style and approach, and it's not about that specific style or approach that necessarily will mean you're going to be successful or not. Um, but one thing that is almost always going to doom your efforts is if you're one thing and you're trying to be something totally different. Um, I'm not a, a charismatic leader type of style. I, I just am not, and I never will be. And so if that's what I try to do when I'm with people um, in leadership situations, then it's going to be inauthentic. Um, I take more of a servant leadership approach. I'm kind of more of a quiet type of an approach. I listen, I, you know, slow, the slow burn, like build relationships, you know, that's kind of more my approach and it works well for me. Um, charismatic leadership works well for other people. Like do what works for you within the context that you're in that makes sense. And that's, that's really important. We also forget that, um, you know, 
here in the United States. Uh, well, actually, I don't know if you're in the United States. You might be in Canada. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, um, actually. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but here, you know, in the West, we we often fall into the trap of thinking we have it all figured out. But mm -hmm. as you know, I can tell you, as someone who travels a lot internationally, and I do a lot of work um, in different countries you know, what we do here doesn't nat naturally and necessarily automatically apply and fit in other national and cultural contexts. It just doesn't. And so you have to, you always have to be adaptive. You always have to stay true to yourself uh, in order to drive success. The other thing that you were talking about in terms of analytics and KPIs and the metrics, all of that, you know, I agree with you. I think people tend in, in this day and age of big data, um, people tend to forget and kind of lose themselves in the data and they forget to, to ask the critical questions and to inter, you know, take some quiet time for reflection, quiet your mind, have some introspection and really consider, does this feel right? Does this seem like the right thing to do? Um, I have, I'm a data wonk, so I love data. I love running analyses. I love leveraging that information to, to drive strategy. I love that, but you know, I'll be the first to tell you that you, you can do a lot of stuff with data um, that uh, is perhaps not particularly uh, completely above board um, mm -hmm. to try to uh, push an agenda. Uh, and in the day of, of artificial intelligence and machine learning and big data, there's a lot of black boxes out there that say that they are analyzing, you know, there's algorithms that then produce an output. Um, and it's a black box. You just don't even know what is going into that algorithm. It's proprietary. And so you don't know there's just an output and then you have to trust that that's accurate. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm not going to just trust that output. Um, I know enough about data analysis to recognize all the potential flaws that could be in that algorithm. <laughs> and and I, so I can't just trust the data. I want to use the data to inform my thinking and inform my decision making. But man, you know, if, if something feels off to you, um, especially, you know, in terms of relationships with others or or you know, potential abuses or exploitation or things like that that might happen within an organizational setting. If something, something seems off to you, then it probably is off and you should look to address that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so often that you know, specifically, especially in the, the world of business, we get, at the end of the day, we, as, much as, you know, as much as we try to talk about it, the almighty dollar seems to kind of dictate decisions at some level. And that's one of the things we talk with leaders. And I always talk about a story about um, when I was the CEO of a digital marketing agency, you know, we had this uh, potential client and, and they were, they would have been, you know, one of our largest accounts, if not our largest accounts. And, you know, we were going through the, the process, you know, the assessment, the information gathering and looking at everything. Um, and I can remember just, you know, as, as a team, we were sitting there and going, this would be a great account. We can easily help them. But there was just something about the individual that we were going to potentially work with that just didn't feel right. It did, I, I could tell it did, the person who was going to be in charge of that, the marketing manager who was going to be in charge of that account, it just didn't feel right. 
but everyone's saying, well, the dollar amounts, you know, it's, it would be incredible boom. We could do these things for our business. We could easily invest back into it, yada, yada, yada. All the, all the wonderful opportunities because of the investment that would come back in. But at the end of the day, when we actually took on the client, it was definitely not a success, unfortunately. And the reason why is because we didn't listen to that gut and understanding that the extra stress of working with a client that probably wasn't, we were not the right fit for them and what they were looking for. They needed a, I mean, they truthfully needed more of a Fortune 500 type of, of marketing agency rather than where we were at that day. But the reality was, is we didn't listen to that gut instinct. We didn't listen to that intuition. And sometimes I like to uh, tell people it this way is that, you know, at the end of the day, yes, you, you've got to make, you got to make smart decisions. You got to make rational decisions in business. And that's probably was one of the things that I've had to grow as a leader. You know, I'm a much more natural people person. I'm much more natural, motivating, inspiring. When I talk about success DNA, we have four different types. And in my world, I call it a motivator. I'm a much natural motivator and I've been a trained developer and I'll, I'll go over those in a minute. But, but at the end of the day, it's much easier for me to get people on board, get people bought in, get people doing the work, get people to raise their levels of work. What I struggled with was the other area, what we call an architect. Somebody who can really look at all the, the big vision and all the pieces and how to formulate it together, how to take those numbers and how to put that together and make it work. So that's something I've had to really work on because all of these were natural one way, but I think we can all be trained to be better. So we can have, I always talk about being competent as opposed to being a, a natural in some areas. But but at the end of the day, the reason I kind of talk about this is when I think back to the, the, the poor decisions I made, it wasn't because the numbers didn't line up. It wasn't because the advice I got said, don't do this. It was because I didn't listen to that gut instinct that was screaming at me to say, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't, don't do this. And that's usually the biggest mistakes I found in my life was not listening to that voice. And a lot of times when I speak to you know, incredible leaders who had incredible successes, they share a lot of similar stories themselves. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, we're getting close to uh, the end of our time together today, but I wanna give you a chance to tease those four areas um, for the listeners and then let them know uh, how, how they can get in touch with you, um, get connected, find out more about you um, so that they can reach out and, and learn more. Yeah, great, John. And obviously, you know, let me, and I'll, you know, I'm, I'm hard teasing because I just want to give it all. So I'll do my best to keep it short and sweet here. But you know, when I talk about the success DNA, you know, one of the things that I find that is that literally people in business and, and different leaders struggle with is that instead of actually trying to figure out, they end up trying to figure out what leadership is needed for the business as opposed to figuring out what the business needs from their leadership. And what I mean by that is that instead of the manager, instead of the leader, instead of the entrepreneur trying to build the structures around what the business model is, it's important to understand what their strengths are, what's natural to them, and to make sure that they're building the systems, bringing in the people that are going to be able to support what comes easy to them. Because at the end of the day, when you look at business time and time again, from the research, from, you know, just my experiences, from the success stories, time and time again, the people that said they were in flow, things felt easy, everything was working, you know, all those, we were in the zone, you know, all the different cliches, it was time and time again, they were in their own leadership or what we call their success DNA. And there's really four types we find time and time again. One is what we call the developer. And I want you to think of the coach. 
you know, this is the person that the employees feel like they can go to, they can confine in, they feel like they get, they're not being told what to do, but the person gives them the opportunity to grow themselves. The next person is the architect. And the architect I've mentioned is kind of that, they're very analytical, they're very, they look at everything and they want to put everything in a step-by-step formula. They're so good at taking the big vision, you know, we got, I'll talk about the fourth one in a second. They're so good at taking that big vision and put it into a sequence with the right people, the right steps, the right place at the right time to make sure it gets done and it succeeds. The third one is the motivator, which I kind of mentioned is my natural style. And this is the person that gets people to buy in. This is the person that you just go, you know, sometimes we think of them as the natural salesman. They're the person that gets people to say yes. It's almost like you're, you're after you talk with the person, you're saying, how did I say yes to that? Why did I say yes to that? I was going into this meeting saying, no, I don't want to do this. And afterwards, I'm excited to actually do this work. That's your motivator. And then finally, the fourth person is the visionary. And the visionary is the person who, while they typically struggle in the here and now, they're so great at both intuitively and analytically looking at the big picture and understanding where an organization or a team or a group needs to be in three years and five years and 10 years. You know, we think of these as the, the Steve Jobs type personality. All of us have natural tendencies. While it's important to make sure you build your organization around what is natural to you, it's imperative to also find others that have those other characteristics because no leader can do it themselves. They got to find the other leaders that kind of uh, help them like fulfill what they need for themselves. Um, so the best way if people are interested in learning more about these four subsets, Sarah, their success DNA, you know, we've got assessments on my website, which is alex Kuhn, And I know my last name is not the easiest to spell. It's K-U-H-N.com. Again, alex Kuhn.com. And if you're a social media person, I'm on Instagram, which you can find. If you basically type in Alex Kuhn on Instagram, you can find me there. I'm posting daily on there. I'm on all the other social media platforms there. But, but just don't get me wrong, if you ever DM me or email me, know that my team and I will get back to you usually within one business day. And we'll be happy to chat with you and learn more about where you are and where you want to go with your leadership. Awesome. Thank you, Alex. Uh, I appreciate you teasing that. I'm intrigued and I want to find out more. Um, and I hope my listeners will reach out, get connected, and uh, learn more about uh, those four aspects and those four elements. Um, and it's been a real pleasure talking with you today just about your experiences, your successes, the insights that you've learned along the way, and, and the insights that you've uh, shared with all of us. Uh, I really appreciate it. I hope everyone will, uh, will take to heart um, what you've said about listening to our inner um, self and, and being authentic in our leadership approach and in our work with other people. And I hope everyone stays healthy and safe and that you all have a great week. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.